have a hard time sometimes giving ourselves permission to be human, to be weak, uh, to be insecure, to be afraid, to be worried, uh, or even to be hurting. As Donnie Carnathan shared earlier as we began today, it's a very, very weird and, and strange time, and I think we're doing the best we can to get through this coronavirus pandemic and all the changes um, that it has brought. And we value and miss greatly the time when we can be together and be encouraging one another. Um, During our shepherd's prayer, uh, one of our elders, uh, Jay Bynum, reminded us of the call that our shepherds have given us to pray. And I think the call to prayer is an acknowledgement of our humanness. It's an acknowledgement of our dependence upon someone greater than ourselves, upon our God. And this really has its roots in Second Chronicles 7:14, where uh, God calls on his people to pray to him and to remember that when difficulties come, that we can go to our God and, in penitence and in prayer. And we can ask him to forgive and to heal our land. So our elders have asked us uh, at 7.14, either a.m. or p.m. or both, to remember uh, that call to prayer and to remember that promise that God would hear and that according to his will, he would forgive and he would heal and he would bless. And so we encourage you to take part in that. And in doing so, we pray to uh, the God of all creation. We pray to the creator and sustainer of life. We pray to our great God and Savior through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a great comfort knowing that our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, felt all the things that we feel and experienced all the things that we experience because he too was human throughout this month we're looking at perhaps the most human moments of jesus in this life the time that he spent on the cross and we don't get a full picture of that time of course but we do get windows into what he was feeling and what he was experiencing and how he was dealing with that through the things that he said, those seven great statements that he made from the cross. And I think as we look at the things that he shared today regarding his own humanity uh, and regarding uh, his own mother, it's a reminder that it's okay to be human, that it's okay to be afraid, it's okay to fear, it's okay to be uh, concerned about the the things that are going on in this world. Because we see that concern in the life, even in those final moments that lead to the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John brings those things out in a special way, I think, in John 19. So a couple of these great statements today, the first one that reminds us that Jesus shared our human concerns the things that we're concerned about in this life, he was concerned about as well. In John 19, verses 25 through 27, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, 
Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Well, that disciple whom Jesus loved is a way that it seems John uh, refers to himself, perhaps an act of humility, perhaps noting the close relationship that, that he shared with the Savior and how dearly he missed him. But this is one of those interesting moments as we see Jesus hanging on the cross, the life going forth from him. And as he looks down and he's hearing all the horrible things that people are saying and the lack of faith everywhere, he also looks down and he sees his mother. And he sees these other faithful women there. And he sees the Apostle John. And he makes this statement to Mary and to John. And consider for a moment everything that Mary had been through with her oldest son. She ended up marrying Joseph, uh, ultimately, and had other children uh, in the natural way. Jesus' half-brothers and sisters, the gospel writers list those. Two of them we're very familiar with. One of them is James, not the brother of John, uh, but James who did not believe in Jesus until he saw him face-to-face, according to 1 Corinthians 15, after his crucifixion, after the resurrection. And that James would become a leader in the church at Jerusalem and, and would write the book of James. And another half-brother, Jude, uh, who wrote the book of Jude, that one-chapter book we have uh, towards the end of the New Testament. Uh, and, and so think about the things that Mary went through with Jesus, starting with uh, his conception in a miraculous way. That moment when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary as a young young woman, a young teenage girl more than likely, perhaps 16, 17 years old, telling her you're going to have a child. And Mary responds and says, I don't think so. And the angel says, well, yes, you will. Even though you've never been with a man, you, you will have a child and he will be called the son of God because the Holy Spirit is going to fill you. And the one who will be born to you will be called Jesus um, because the Lord saves and that he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And think of how Mary responded in great faith. May it be done to me as you have said. And then, then she had to tell Joseph. And interestingly enough, the angel doesn't come to Joseph until after his first conversations with Mary. Mary comes to him and tells him this story. And Joseph, being a righteous man, but also a, a, a common sense kind of guy, Uh, He knows what the law says, that she could be put to death, but he tries to just put her away privately without making a big deal about it, but maintaining his moral character. And that's when the angel comes to him and says, no, 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 Joseph, what she's saying is right. What she's saying is true. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And to Joseph's credit, he does. And all of the things that Mary and Joseph had to endure after that, as people would question them, and their purity, and yet Mary would say, no, you don't understand. I was visited by an angel, and they would say, right, sure. And yet she faithfully carried that through. Raising Jesus as a very special child, uh, that moment when uh, 
We find that he was a young boy and was lost for a while in the temple because his parents obviously thought he was with some other family members or friends going back home from being there for the for the feast in Jerusalem and then going back and finding him there uh, with the religious leaders, uh, responding to their questions, asking him questions of his own. And then when he comes to her and he says, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm beginning this ministry for which I have come. And then seeing all of the ups and downs of that ministry, the great crowds, the great rejection, wondering and worrying about him, even at times going to him and showing her concern for him. And yet he carried on. And ultimately the betrayal by one of his closest disciples, this trial that was such a sham from the start, with the leaders of the Jews and the leaders of the Romans, and then now on the cross. As we consider the life of Jesus and Mary that lead up to this moment, we mention a couple of things. Number one, from Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse 31, we find the importance of spiritual family because Jesus' mother and brothers come to him and are concerned for him, and yet he's going about his ministry and And others tell him, Lord, your family is outside. They're worried about you. They want to speak to you. And Jesus looks around at his disciples around him and the folks that are hearing his message. And he says, these are my mother and my brother and my sisters. And we're reminded of that importance of spiritual family to get us through things. Uh, Earlier in this service, you saw some pictures of some wonderful, wonderful Christians, our young at heart, as we call them, our, our senior Christians, and the, the times that they have shared together over the past few years. And hearing those great songs and singing those great hymns, how sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those who love the Lord in one another's peace, delight, and so fulfill the word that tie that binds us, that is so blessed. These people miss being together, miss being with each other, and we all do. And you see in those faces and in those smiles, just as we did with our children last week, the importance of spiritual family. We long for those days once again, and we know they'll come in the Lord's good time. We turn to Mark chapter 7, and in that passage, Jesus stresses the importance of physical family. He saw the religious leaders and the people of the Jews, how, how they would hear that call from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments to honor your father and your mother, and yet they would rationalize a way to take that money and spend it some other way and, and, and would say, no, I, I'm released from that burden. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not right. That's not right. You're sinning. You're not fulfilling what God has called you to do. If you're not taking care of your parents, if you're not taking care of your physical family. And over these past several weeks in this country and around the world, we've been very concerned for our elderly, for our parents and our grandparents, for those in nursing homes who have been hit so hard and are threatened so greatly by COVID-19. And we've seen that devastation and what it's caused. And it's reminded us of the sanctity of life. Our shepherd, Jay Bynum, reminded us as we prayed of the sanctity of life and how concerned we are for the unborn. And that that is so true. And it's devastating the morality of our nation and our world. 
And we've seen over these last several weeks the other end as well. The value that we place on those who are elderly, those who are infirm, uh, those who are going through difficulties and how important it is for us to care about their lives as well. Jesus here on the cross cares about his mother just before his own life is taken. In these verses, Jesus provides for his mother's future, and it reminds me of the song we sing occasionally, 10,000 Angels. One of the verses says this, When they nailed him to the cross, his mother stood nearby. He said, Woman, behold your son. And that verse seems to me to imply that Jesus is saying, hey, look at your son here dying on the cross. And actually, that's not what Jesus was saying at all. He was asking her to see John next to her and to say, woman, consider this man your son. He'll take care of you because I won't be here. I still love to sing that song, by the way. I think it's great and wonderful and a terrific song of praise. But Jesus here is not speaking of himself, but of the apostle John. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was concerned for the well-being of his disciples. Meals, he provided meals for them. He provided miraculously for them to pay their taxes. Um, He called them to rest. Very human concerns that Jesus was concerned with, and especially how it affected his disciples. Even at his arrest, Jesus told the soldiers in John 18, Hey, if you're looking for me, then let these other men go. Not long before his final breaths, our Lord concerned himself with the needs of his mother. James Martin, in his book, Seven Last Words, writes this. What is Jesus doing in his last moments? He's caring for Mary. Even helpless on the cross, he is caring for her. Jesus understood both the love of a parent and the love for a parent. He demonstrates that in the greatest way here. Secondly, today, Jesus shared our human suffering. And it's these two words that we find in John 19, verses 28 and 29. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Jesus was fully human. He had a physical body. He lived with all the same difficulties, concerns, threats, joys, hurts that we do as human beings. And some people, I think, have a harder time accepting Jesus' humanity than they do his divinity. Granted, Jesus was the Son of God. We see that in the first couple of chapters in Colossians where it says he was filled with all of the fullness of deity. Everything that made God God was contained in Jesus Christ. And yet, Philippians 2 says he emptied himself. He took upon himself a human form in the form of a servant, became a man just like we are. Even though he had been in the very beginning with God and was God, And active in creation, John 1 tells us, still he was also fully human in every way. Jesus was born, he grew up, he ate, and he drank, and he slept, and he cried. And just as our brother Davy Carter shared as we gathered around the table together to remember the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, 
when he was beaten, when he was crucified, when those nails were pounded in, he hurt. He experienced pain. When they forced that crown of thorns on his head, he hurt and it bled. Jesus was fully human in every way. He shared in our human suffering. And on the cross, he was thirsty. He hurt and he bled and he died. But then he was raised from the grave, and we remember that great event in a special way this past weekend, but we remember it each day, and especially each Lord's Day, that commemorates the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. After that resurrection, when Thomas uh, was having a hard time believing that he had really been raised from the dead, Jesus approaches him in John chapter 20, just as Thomas had, had said earlier, at another time, and he holds out his hands and he says, Here, Thomas, put your finger through the nail holes. Stick your hand through my side where that spear pierced me. <clears throat> and it reminds us that Jesus had a human body. He was fully human. Again, Philippians 2 says he emptied himself and took upon the human nature. And made himself not just human, but a servant. And, and experienced not just death, but death on the cross. Again, we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 2 and in Hebrews chapter 4 of his incredible humanity. That he took himself down, he lowered himself, and became even lower than the angels, it says. So that he could take on human nature just as we did. So that he could experience everything that we have experienced, including temptation, and yet never sinned. And so that he could take away our fear of death. This section of Hebrews in chapter 2 and in chapter 4 says that he died for us. He experienced that horrible death for us. So as we begin to close today, I want us to say it's okay to be human. Give yourself permission to be human, especially now during everything that's going on and how our lives are so crazy and nothing is like we expected it to be. And everything is different than what we thought it would be. I was calling and talking with some of our church members this week, and I kind of laughed And as we were talking about some similar things, and I said something to them. You know, I'm going to be 63 years old next month. I thought I had reached the time where I was hoping Jesus was going to come before I had to learn how to do anything differently. <laughs> and that's just not the case. But that's the human experience. Jesus experienced that same thing. It's okay to be human. Don't beat yourself up because you have human concerns and human sufferings and all the feelings that go along with being human. It's okay to be human. Jesus was human. We can go to him with all our cares and concerns. He understands, not just because of his omniscience, not just because of his divine nature as the Son of God, but also because he went through what we go through. He felt what we feel. He hurt like we hurt. We can go to him. And one day we will go to him and we will stay with him in Canaan's land. On that day there will be no sad farewells, no tear-dimmed eyes. To Canaan's land we are on our way, where all is peace and joy and love 
soul never dies.